Hey, I'm Joseph Cisak. Thank you for checking out the Factor Points Discipleship Podcast and YouTube channel. We are in a series called Just Faith It, not just do it, not just fake it till you make it, but just faith it. This is part three of this series. And in part one, we learned about why faith is necessary, why it's important and how to define it. Part two, we learned about how do we get faith in this uh, episode or lesson part three. We're learning about what is great faith. What is great faith? It's important that we understand this. Why? Because it's in scripture. And what we're going to look at today is there's only two times where Jesus himself identified that someone had great faith. My question is why? Why did these two individuals have something so unique about the way they walked by faith that Jesus said, your faith is great? The good news about this is that it shows that there's degrees to our faith and that whatever measure of faith you have right now, you don't have to stay there. You can grow in faith because if they had great faith, maybe they didn't start there, but maybe they grew. We can learn and grow in faith. You know, there are certain things in this Christian walk that are solid. For example, righteousness. You don't really grow in righteousness. You either are righteous before God or you're not. Thanks to the blood of Jesus and his his price that he paid and purchasing us by the, the shed blood and the cleansing uh, through that blood, we are made righteous. OK, it's a done work. You're not going to get any more righteous uh, through any work that you do uh, than you are right now. But faith is something you can grow in. And so you can have a measure of faith. A measure of faith is necessary in order for salvation. But walking in faith as a way of life is something you can grow in. So let's dive in and look at these two individuals that Jesus said had great faith. We're going to start in the book of Matthew. Most of what we're going to look at today is in the book of Matthew. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21 says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman, which is a Gentile, came uh, from that region, came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away because she keeps shouting at us. Pause there for a moment and really get this scene locked in. So you got a woman whose daughter is demon possessed. What a terrible situation that this mother is in with her daughter. And there's fear that, you know, maybe this demonic oppression could actually kill her daughter, cause her to hurt herself and others as well. So this is a pretty critical situation right here. She comes to Jesus and notice she called Jesus Lord and she called him son of David, which means even though she's a Gentile, she understands something about Jewish belief. And she she understands that the Messiah, the Christ, comes from the lineage of David. So this woman's no fool. She's heard some things about Jesus and, and not only his genealogy, if you will, but his works. Why else would she be coming to him seeking for him to heal her daughter? And so as we keep reading, uh, it says she's shouting and Jesus, in essence, ignored her. She doesn't respond. 
I think the disciples are taking a cue from Jesus and going, hey, something's up with this because Jesus would normally respond. But this woman must be doing something in error because Jesus is just ignoring her. So then they suggest, hey, Jesus, why don't we just send her away? Because she's kind of annoying. She's bothering us. She keeps shouting at us is what they said in verse 23, verse 24. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's what Jesus responds to the woman. So first he ignores her. Now this is kind of a rejection. He's basically saying, no, I'm not sent to you. I'm not sent to your people. I'm only sent to the children of Israel. And verse 25, she responds, but she came and began to bow down before him saying, Lord, help me. Okay, so she's been ignored and she's been rejected. But what does she do? She bows down, prostrates herself before Jesus, worshiping him and still calling him Lord. Verse 26, he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread, meaning the children of Israel, and throw it to the dogs. Wow. What is the children's bread? He's saying himself. He's saying the, the, the gifts and the calling that he has. He's saying, I'm called first and foremost to the children of Israel, the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, it wouldn't be right for me to give what's purpose for them to you. And he compares it to taking bread that's meant for the children and giving it to the dog. So we've gone from ignoring, being ignored, to being rejected, to now being offended. I don't know about you, but if someone compared me to giving something to me, like giving it to a dog, I'd, I'd most likely be offended by that. I think most people would. But watch how this woman responds in verse 27. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Come on now. She still calls him Lord. And instead of being offended and walking away, like saying, how dare you? you know, compare me to a dog and compare what you're giving me to, to, to bread. And, and, and I mean, she, she could have just been fed up and walked away. First, you ignore me. Then you reject me. Now you compare me to a dog. You not who I thought you were. Deuces, Jesus. Okay. But that's not how this woman is responding. She's heard something. She believes something. She's heard that he's the Messiah. She's calling, calling him Lord. She's calling him son of David. She's bowing down and worshiping him. And after this third difficulty that Jesus presents to her, she still responds to him by calling him Lord and saying, well, you know what? Even dogs get crumbs from the table. In essence, I'll take even a crumb because I know who you are and even a crumb will deliver my daughter. So here in verse 28, we see Jesus say, then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Here's the first time. Okay, this first time we're going to cover it. It's actually the second time, but I want you to do this one first. Here we see Jesus say, woman, your faith is great. We're going to dive in a little bit more and answer the question, why is her faith great? But as you can see, she faced a lot of adversity and she kept going forward with what she believed in. Next, we're going to look at Matthew chapter eight and we're going to pick it up in verse, verse five. 
And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave or servant, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. He's like, wow, and said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Dropping down to verse 13, and Jesus said to the centurion, go. It shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Another powerful scene here. And we see that this centurion, he has an opportunity for Jesus to actually come to his house. So different scenario here where when this man comes to him, Jesus doesn't ignore him, doesn't reject him, doesn't offend him. Jesus says, okay, cool, let's go. Now, most of us, to encounter Jesus and for Jesus to agree to come to our home, we'd be like, follow me. Thank you so much. Centurion, though, he has a different response. Instead, he says, no, it's okay. I'm not worthy. He demonstrates great humility and reverence for Jesus. Again, that's an indicator to me that this man knows who Jesus is. He knows he's dealing with deity. He knows he's dealing with the Messiah. And so he says, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but say the word and my servant will be healed. He goes on to talk about authority. I'm also a man under authority. So let's break this scenario down first and we'll go back to the Syro Syrophoenician woman so we understand what made their faith great. For this man, his faith is great. Jesus marveled at his faith because he understood the power of the word. What did we learn in our last lesson? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So this Roman centurion who hasn't grown up in all of the Jewish ways and customs and memorized the Torah and all those kind of things, he's just heard about Jesus and he believes. Jesus said, it shall be done to you as you have believed what did he believe? I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I believe you're greater than the Roman emperors, the Caesar. I believe that the same words that I heard about you contain the power, the same, the same word that comes out of your mouth. If you just send forth that word, that word will instantly cover the distance from where you're standing right now to where my servant is and will completely heal them. You don't have to physically be there to touch them, but your word will go forth and do it. This is huge for this Roman centurion to know this. And that's why Jesus said, this is some great faith right here. And I have not found anyone in all of Israel that has the faith that this man has. Because everybody else wants me to physically come there and touch him. But this guy gets it. This guy gets the power of my word. This guy gets that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This guy gets that in the beginning God spoke and created everything. This guy gets 
that there's authority in my word. He's he's comparing his position as a Roman soldier and centurion. Centurion means he's got hundreds of soldiers under him. Okay, and so he says, look, they don't play. I don't play. When I give an order, they do it. When I say one come, he comes. When I say one go, he goes. He says, Jesus, I understand that your word goes out and does what you send it forth to do. And physically, your word will transcend the physical distance and heal my servant's physical body. And Jesus said, that's great faith right there. And so what does that mean for us when it comes to applying great faith in our lives? Do you believe the word of God? Do you believe that life and death is in the power of the tongue? Do you believe that if God said it and spoke it into your life, that his word can transcend the distance? His word can impact the physical. His word is greater than any physical limitations you face right now. And that his word can enter into a situation and change it. What does that mean? Well, it means that your pastor may not have to lay hands on somebody for them to be healed. Thank God that men and women of God do that. But guess what? The word going forth is enough. Okay, that's great faith. Great faith is when is when you're not stressed about it. Great faith is when you like speak the word, God, speak the word, God. And God, if your word is spoken, the miracle is coming. When that Roman centurion got home, the, the servant said, he got healed. He got healed where you were gone. Something happened where he was gone. They didn't know the word went forth out of Jesus's mouth. But that Roman centurion walked back in his house and he's like, that's what I'm talking about. The same moment that Jesus spoke it, it was done. He understood authority. Now to go back and understand the Syrophoenician woman and why her faith is great, we're going to take a look at a verse right in the middle in Matthew chapter 17. And here we see a scene where a man comes to Jesus. It says in verse 14, falling on his knees before him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Here's a father now. So we've got a mother, we've got a, a, a Roman centurion, and now we've got a father who also has a child who's ill um, and, and is a lunatic. There may be a demonic possession here as well. And this guy says, I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. So now we've got this father now. We've had a mother, we've had a Roman centurion, a, a leader, a, a soldier, and now we've got a father with a, a child who is sick, a son who is sick. And he first, and listen, this, this kid, again, this is life-threatening. He's throwing himself into the fire. He's throwing himself into the water. Again, it sounds like a demonic possession. And so he goes to Jesus' disciples. This isn't a bad move. They've been trained by Jesus. They should be able to do what Jesus does. This is good because we're all about discipleship, right? And so what does Jesus respond? He says in verse 17, and Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Woo. Jesus had a pretty harsh response to the unbelief of, of who? I believe of his disciples. Look at verse 18 
And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Verse 19 says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, which is a good move because, man, we are embarrassed, and said, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. That's our answer right there. What do I mean? Why did the Syrophoenician woman have great faith? Why did the disciples have little faith? Great faith and little faith is not about size. Why? Because Jesus said in verse 20, because of the littleness of your faith. But then he says, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, a mustard seed is like that of a of a grain. It's a, maybe a little bigger than that of a grain, but it's it's very very small. If you could picture a sunflower seed, it's smaller than the part that you eat on the inside of a sunflower seed. It looks like almost like a, a little pebble. Okay, Jesus said, if you if your faith is that size, that's potent. That's potent enough to move a mountain. So in essence, he's saying from a size perspective. Small faith can do big things. But Jesus, you said we couldn't do it because of the littleness of our faith. Well, he's not talking about size right there. Here's the key. He's talking about time. When Jesus says the littleness of your faith, he's not talking about the size of faith. He's talking about the duration of the faith. In essence, the disciples couldn't do the miracle because their faith had not endured to that moment. Do you know disciples used to fight amongst themselves a lot? They used to argue a lot. They used to bicker a lot. They used to compare themselves with each other. They used to jockey to see who could get closer to Jesus. And, you know, Peter's the one that walked on the water and, and others had their mom come in trying to get him closer to Jesus. It was all kind of competitive stuff going on between the disciples and Oftentimes, Jesus would have to intervene and correct them and say, the greatest among you will be a servant, right? So it's in all of their infighting and bickering that they lose sight of holding on to their faith so that they can trust God to serve the people that they need to serve. Compare that with the Syrophoenician woman. And so here she has her faith. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. I want to show you something to just really nail that for the Syrophoenician woman in Luke chapter 7, we have the same story, but I want you to hear this about the Syrophoenician woman. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 25, it says, but after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit. Okay. What did the woman do? After hearing, after hearing um, of Jesus, faith comes by hearing. So she heard about Jesus and it ignited her faith. Why? Because she put her hope for her daughter's healing in Jesus. What a great example. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. She heard about Jesus. She heard about the son of David. She heard about the Messiah. He's here. She placed her faith in him. And so now walking by faith, she finds him. Okay. And you would think, 
the time to celebrate. I found the healer. I found the Messiah. I found Jesus. My daughter's about to be healed. But what happens? Ignored. Talk to the hand. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Okay, nah, nah, look, you still Jesus. You still the Messiah. You still the Savior. You still son of David. You still a healer. I'm still calling you Lord. Well, I haven't been called to you. I'm called to somebody else. Now watch this. This woman's faith is doing what? It's enduring. So she gets ignored. She endures. I'm still calling you Lord. She gets rejected. She endures. I'm still calling you Lord and I'm bowing down. She gets uh, uh, potentially offended. I'm, uh, I can't give the children's bread to the dogs. What does this woman say? Yes, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. She endures. She endures. She endures. And Jesus says, woman, your faith is great. Why? Because it wasn't about the size of her faith. It was about the endurance of her faith. We've looked at two times. Jesus said great faith. Two different people who approached the situation that they had an incredible need for in a very unique way. One person says, I understand the power and the authority of your word. I don't need a bunch of hoops to be jumped through. I don't need the, the, all, all the specialty thing. I just need your word. If you speak your word, your word goes out in authority and it goes out and does what you tell it to do. The other one says, I don't care if I'm ignored, if I'm rejected, if I'm offended, you are still God. You are still the Messiah. You are still the healer. And I'm staying right here and I'm worshiping you until you deliver what I know you are capable of doing. And Jesus said, great faith, great faith. What's my encouragement to you? Great faith. Put your trust in the word. Put your trust in what God has spoken over your life. Because if he spoke it, that's a, there's a his, his word is authority backed. It's backed with the authority of heaven. It's backed with the authority of the same voice that spoke the heavens and the earth into creation. His word goes out. The word says that my word will not return to me void, meaning I send it out to do stuff. I send my word and see this Roman centurion got it. He said, your word goes out like servants. And it goes out and they do, they go, the word goes out like soldiers and it goes out and does exactly what you tell it to do. And so if the word has gone forth on your behalf for healing, if the word has gone forth on your behalf for favor, if the word has gone forth on your behalf for blessings, for uh, uh, restoration, reconciliation, whatever it is, trust that his word will perform that which he sent it out to do. And if the circumstance changes. If you get excited, but then something takes a turn, you get ignored, you get rejected. Somebody tries to offend you. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Son of David, the Messiah, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the great I am. That's who your faith is. Grow in your faith. Grow in your faith. Grow in your faith. If you've got little faith size wise, it can move a mountain. Hold on to that little faith and endure through every trial, through every test. Watch God show up on your behalf and move that mountain and heal that loved one and restore that relationship and provide that need. Whatever it is that you're trusting God for, if his word has gone forth on your behalf, God is faithful to deliver it. What are we talking about? Just faith it. 
Keep your faith in the Lord. Keep your faith in his word and his promises. Just faith it. If you're rejected, just faith it. If you're ignored, just faith it. If you're offended, just faith it. Trust in his word. Trust in his promise. He is faithful who spoke it. God is not a man and he should lie. So I pray that you've been encouraged by this. Please give us a like, a subscribe, share this with someone that needs to be encouraged in their faith to know who God is, to know what God is capable of doing, to know, as we've talked about in these three lessons, why they need faith. It's the only way to please God. What is faith? It's the assurance and evidence of things hoped for. And how do we get faith? It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do we walk in great faith? By trusting in the authority of God's word and by enduring through all the adversity, whether it's being ignored, being rejected, being offended, being hurt, whatever comes at you, keep your faith in God. Like, subscribe, share. God bless you. I love you. And remember, he's here. He knows he's able. See you next time.